about everything tabletop RPG related, mainly with a focus on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, but we like a little bit of everything around here. Today, we're going to be doing a bit of a discussion. I have a guest on this episode, the first guest uh, episode of the RPGs podcast. Uh, we are joined by a good friend of mine and fellow nerd and fellow uh, DM and player. I'm joined by Tom. Welcome, Tom, to the RPGs podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> For sure. But this is something that you and I have been speaking about for quite some time. Like, we should start a podcast, just like the most generic the, the most generic phrase ever. But, we did uh, once as well. We recorded an episode even. <laughs> we did a whole episode. It's probably on my archive somewhere reviewing the, the Gunbreaker. Um, yes, that was, that was it. It was that one, eh? yeah. it? Yeah. It was the make a, make a character from a randomly rolled class combos, I think, was the one. Oh, yes. Oh, we had whole ideas. We we're going to do a, a YouTube channel and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's still time. Uh, (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about the topic for today, which is just broadly world building. How to start it, how to go about it. What do we do when we decide we're going to create a world for the TTRPG or just writing in general? Um, And not only how do we create it, but potentially some of the resources that we use that make it all a little bit easier. So, Tomo, if you'll be so kind, can you just give us a bit of a background as to you and your history with D and D or TTRPGs and with like world building and DM DMing and things? Yeah, for sure. Um, I got into. I always had the curiosity. I was the it was the Nag magazine back in the day that I was subscribed to in like primary school, and there was a video on there that was when I think fourth edition D and D had just come out, and it was talking about like what is all this. Uh, what is it? And it was making fun of the fact that how to do a grapple check was more complicated than in previous versions. And I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. I was like, this looks interesting. Is this a video game? Is this what? Meh. And then it kept it kept coming up until we got to like high school when that episode of Community came out and everyone was like, oh my goodness, we've got to play this game. We've got to do it. And it was either you or one of the others who said, like, yeah, we're going to do this. And Tom Tom is going to be the DM. I was like, oh, oh okay. Um, <laughs> thrust the responsibility thrust upon you. <laughs> so I went to, I started in Pathfinder, uh, first edition Pathfinder, because um, that was when D&D 5e was still uh, D&D Next. It was still new. And I started watching the Acquisitions Inc., uh, live shows on YouTube, and I still didn't quite know what was going on, but like I thought the people were funny, whatever. And I went and I played with the Pathfinder Society, like an organized play. And that day, I was I was like hooked. I was like, "Whoa, this is so cool!" I played with like a pre-made character in a pre-made module with random people at the Wizards Books and Games and uh, <laughs> Stadium on Main. That's no longer there. But that day, I bought like a set of dice. I bought the Pathfinder Beginner Edition box and the Core Rulebook. And I was like, "Yeah, guys, we're we're, we're doing this." I made a Facebook group, and um, we played. And um, it was great, and Josh couldn't make it, and everyone started talking about it, and he was immediately like, "Guys, can we have a session tomorrow, please? I missed out." <laughs> um, so yeah, for, from there, like we played. Uh, that was the typical high school sessions of of playing, like eight eight to twelve hour sessions, and just staying over at someone's house for like once every two months, and then we got busy and we didn't, and we picked up again just on and off doing one shots um, over the, 
it was it was either for like you and a few of the others that we play with regularly now or um my sister and some of her friends um i just found i would often be the dm because i was the one who'd done it before um yeah but i i was always i was always drawn to um even if i would use a different module um a, a pre-written module i would try and put my own spin on it just because that's where a lot of the fun is for me is putting something together and seeing how people react to it and eventually end up breaking it um because that's just how these games go and that's part of the fun <laughs> um yeah so this started with uh, pathfinder's default setting and me trying to just always i would use the setting and try and make my own version of like the town that it was set in or something like that i'd always try and put side content in. like i think the first game we played was meant to be like a prequel to the adventure that came with the pathfinder beginner box and i tried to build a campaign around that and then I did things on and off. That was always it was always just like set around what I had access to, but then I got more mm. comfortable with it. We moved into things like Fate, Score, and then it was really it was Josh that made it um, kind of pushed us to go to to Fifth Edition eventually after like a lot of uh, one shots here and there, uh, and then we ended up eventually after like yeah one shots. I run things in Fate Core a lot, um, but we did. Um, we moved from Pathfinder to Fifth Edition in a like mini campaign that uh, fell apart sadly, but we moved into a larger one, and kind of from there, yeah, it just kept yeah. going. Awesome, yeah. I think uh, the the core thing that I'm kind of taking as well is that in general, the big thing for me was like you you've said that like you took like the you made like a prequel to like the the core adventure and stuff, and you made your own town in like mm-hmm. the world that was created and stuff, and it was always a thing for me even before like I like de- like properly DM'd and stuff was like, cool. I, I, I get like settings that are pre-made settings and, and pre-made adventures. That's cool. And I like it. And I guess it does make it a little bit easier in terms of like uh, knowing the world lore and things, but that's most of the fun is making that stuff yourself. So yeah. like, and also I feel like it added so much stress to me. I mean, I ran Lost Minds of Fandalva for like five or six sessions Um like last year or something and it was the hard the most like the part about it that i didn't like was the fact that like the town for instance had its own inhabitants and i felt restricted by that i felt like okay cool the players out of place and they're like oh is this here i couldn't feel like no it wouldn't make sense for that to be in this town i was like oh maybe let me just check in the resources oh yes it's here oh no it's not here and uh not knowing like the answers to everything be able to confidently say so um but yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a tangent. But I think that's the that's the thing is that all throughout this time, from Pathfinder to Fate and all these things, every time I've played with you, Tomo, it's always been a like a bit of your own concoction that we've played in. Um, yeah, whether that be like a little adventure that doesn't really have has like an innocuous kind of vague setting, but the adventure setting itself, like the little town that we were in, that had like it's all its leaders and its factions and things, uh, or if it was like a big world that had like uh, a, a magical area of the world and a technological area of the world and stuff like that, <laughs> it was it was always uh, created by you. And, and I think it comes a lot to your uh, DM style. I think, um, and I think a lot of us um, that we play with regularly are kind of open to a lot of like improv type stuff. For me, like DMing is also a lot of, I rely very heavily on my ability to improv. Um, so my prep and building and stuff like that will always be stuff that can 
put put back to that uh, kind of muscle of mine, as it were. Uh, whereas using like pre-made stuff and pre-made settings is like even if I have all those resources, I I want to go and like pull it apart and um, find like my own thing of it. It's it's, it's almost like I don't want to. I always want to do the setting justice. Like I don't want to mess up something pre-established because I try to do it my way. So I'll always make it my own in some way. So that like, also weirdly in a way, if it doesn't land, it's like, oh, well, it's okay. Cause this is just my version of it, you know? Um, and I think like you were saying as well um, about the pressure and like expectation that comes with it. I feel like that takes some of it off if you write it yourself, because if something doesn't work or you can see it's going in a different direction, it's easier to adjust. Yeah, for sure. Like, cause that's it. Like it just, as you were talking, I was just thinking that like, I don't feel comfortable enough in things that I haven't written to, to, to wing it. And to, cause next thing, you know, I mean, I know that if I have like a big plot line, that's, that's mapped out over some time, I know the steps A, B and C to get to D, you know? And mm -hmm. then if something, if the players do something and I'm like, oh, it makes more sense for them to be linked to step B. I can edit step B because I know still in the back of my mind how to get over to step D. Whereas I feel like the writers of these settings and the writings of like these modules and stuff, they have, they, those things are carefully mapped out in the, yeah. in the module, in the setting. And it's a, it's a different skill to be able to edit and adjust something that's been clearly mapped out already, you know, as opposed to something that's still kind of vague in our heads. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I think, so... If you if you'd be so kind, could you let us know one or two uh, world building kind of uh, worlds that you have built, uh, whether for home games for 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 me or you, me and you, or just that have just never left the ether of of your your PC, um, just the concepts, uh, and uh, and then I'll do the same, and then we'll go on to the main topic of uh, how to approach world building. Yeah, for sure. Um... So as as I initially mentioned, I, I started trying to build my own spin on stuff within the default Pathfinder setting of Galorian. And I would look at I would look at like a map of areas and like read on the on the wiki and stuff like that. It's like, okay, what area looks kinda cool and doesn't have a lot of stuff written about it? And I would go into that and make something out of that. Um so I I had this whole idea of the Oh gosh, what was it called? I think it was like the mush fens or something in the the continent of Varesia. And I had this idea of like a um settlement of goblins that had become more intelligent by finding a magic item. And the leader was um trying to like make his settlement be respected as part of the civilized world where goblins were otherwise like not really part of it. And it was a thing of like the players coming in looking for this artifact and realizing it was literally like grafted into this goblin leader's body, but that it was also tied to like the big bad of the of the whole thing. And again, that came to like, I had a kind of idea for some themes and plots, but I, I worked backwards from there and made this whole thing of like this town in the swamp and like, okay, what else is in the swamp? And like built a lot of stuff around that and like, okay, well then there should be druids. And if there's goblins and a lot of like uh, stuff that wasn't always the conventional type of heroes and stuff for people to interact with. And so like I made a lot of towns and cities and stuff and then ideas for how and why they would have come across this artifact and who else wants it and stuff like that. Um, and that was something that 
was quite a lot of fun. I think it was based on the idea of like the orbs of dragon kind, which I also read on the wiki. It was like a a wondrous item or something that if you had all the pieces of it, you could take control of a dragon of that type. But having just one piece of it would give you like some powers rate of the dragon or something like that. That was a long time ago. Um, and I mean, then the other one was I was saying to Josh just before we started recording was we did actually play in it a little bit, but only like one or two games. And it was in uh, it was in fate. We wanted to try like a one shot, and the prompt was like jo- Josh just said to me like, "Yeah, one of the people who's playing like rarely likes Dark Souls and rarely likes dragons. Can you can you like do something with that?" And I was like, "Yeah, bro, I got you." <laughs> <laughs> and I did this like whole thing about I I really like the idea then of focusing heavily on like um, ancestry of like looking at all the fantasy races, like where did they come from? So it's like, it's an elf, but it's not just a slightly more magical and snootier human that lives for longer and is immune to sleep. It's like, no, well, actually there's not a, a human. The thing that's like human is maybe related to the, the dragon that was like a god that was associated with the element of earth. And then elves were like these bird people that are associated with the element of air. And it was like, I tried to look at like where they were all descended from and base the whole thing on that. Um, and then the story that came about was basically just the the societies of um, the the descendants of these now uh, missing dragon gods, and that there was one that was like evil question mark who's to say like the creatures that hide in the shadows and all of that that were starting to reawaken and try and take their place in the world, and that was quite a bit of fun because that was a lot more focused on like the idea of why does magic work and where does magic come from. And so in this case, it was like, oh, well, it's depending on your ancestry. uh, That is what type of um, magic you can use. And then that got to the fun idea of like there are, you know, it's so far past the ancient days that people have intermingled and mixed. And some of the descendants are like not so closely tied to one or another elemental god. But because of that mix, they can't actually use magic. But it ended up being that they can use anti-magic, which is like that was a whole thing as well. Um, and that was fun to just like explore concepts like that of like really like picking the themes. Like the prompt was called Dragons, Dark Souls Vibes, um, the latter of which kind of got scrapped later on. But um, very much focusing on like the idea of ancestry and the connection to these like gods that were also your ancestors. And then like um, the idea of like what is magic and where does it come from? And developing a, because it was the first time we were playing Fate, I think, and trying to use that to develop a whole system for like how magic works. Um, Because, you know, reinventing the wheel when it's completely not necessary is just how we do things here. (laughs) Of course, of course. Go back for a sec. I feel like we need to play in this world because <laughs> I feel we like did. none of this could, I know we did. I know we did, but I was like, not, I mean like for real, like, like actually playing and not like uh sleepless induced fever dream of playing for like 24 hours straight. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like when, when you said like the, the idea of like world building being the topic for this episode, I went and I looked through all my, um, my files that I still had and I was like, oh my goodness, remember this? And like, I'd completely <laughs> forgotten it existed. I've got this whole like 15 page document about like the history of the gods and like the subdomains of the different dragons and Jesus. how it was all based on like, um, what was it based on? I think it was based on like, um, like Norse, 
um, language, or was it Gaelic, like ancient Scottish? Well, no, that was the other one. But yeah, um, there was a whole stuff, and then trying to work out like the planes and how blood magic works. There's always blood magic. There's always if there's magic, there's a different of kind course. of magic that's like cool and edgy, and that's just me. Um, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sick. And then um, from on my side, uh, there's two main. I've built a couple of things for like little smaller one shots. Um, but the two main, it would be, uh, new Gallus and then now scales echo, um, new Gallus very much inspired by the video game Greedfall. Mm. Um, so it's kind of set, it, the, the setting was kind of set in the, like an industrial revolution, kind of a time period, uh, where humans had arrived to this, uh, continent initially called Chakotty. And uh, hundreds of years later, how they have assimilated into this uh, continent. But the continent has on it elves and uh, like animal folk, like your Noctems, which are like the like wolf folk. And then you had your uh, rabbit folk and things. And how I kind of made that concept was I very much was like, I was playing Greedfall at the time and I was like, I like the idea of like fantasy and like guns and this kind of uh, mixing magic with that. And I was like, what what conflict could I create that leads to, that, that would be created by um, opposing like industrialism and like magic and like uh, expansion of like uh, society and civilization into like uh, open magical lands and things like that. Um, so that was that was that was fun, and then the second, and then obviously the humans bringing their religion and things um, was always it was an extra conflict on top of that, and then the other world that I've created was uh, scale. I've created scales echo, which is still to be played in, um, but sci-fi setting in a world where it suddenly just out of nowhere, there was this, this calamity or like a big bang kind of situation. And there was a release, there was this rift that was created and this unknown energy of chaos and order was rippled out throughout the entire galaxy. And in doing so, and this is thing called source. And in doing so this magic, this magical, uh, poorly understood energy source is, uh, used by the various planets in the world in the in the galaxy and to great effect you know it's been hundreds and thousands and thousands of years and now the different planets have all uh, some have interacted a new governing system has been created and but there is conflict looming but the main thing is it's all linked down to this source this rift in the center of the galaxy which is now called the scale because it's the balance between order and chaos and this thought that this uh, ball of energy is a gateway to the realms of order and chaos. And it's very much this dark sci-fi, grim sci-fi kind of fantasy uh, vibe where uh, there's large amounts of conflict. There's like uh, fiends and there's like space fiends and space angels. And um, space fantasy is very underrated. (laughs) For sure. And um, what, what I enjoyed about creating that was that I could create the different planets and the different civilizations on the planets, which meant that I could have, you know, your humans that are trying to, uh, that, that they had a great war following the source uh, being discovered and people just used it for, to try and take over the rest of earth and like expand. And then they almost destroyed the planet. So they had to go to earth two where they took Mars and turned it into earth using this magical energy of source. Um, 
and I could have that whole thing about the humans and their advancements in technology. And then I could also on the other spectrum have like another planet where, which is called uh, Turner, uh, Turn, Turnia, which is fully, it's not on its own. Um, I read uh, the document. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. I did write like an 80 page of one of those. Uh, it's not on its own um, uh, like axis and things. It's instead it's, it's roams randomly throughout the galaxy throughout scales echo this galaxy um because of this ma- because of once again magic magical like uh rainbow rings that surround it that are powered by and power one of the races on the planet the the Geliath. um and that whole planet being a bit more fantasy vibes and very much high fantasy high magic driven so that's kind of how I went into creating Scales Echo. I was like I have this idea I like the idea of having like chaos and order and all those linked and I was like cool and this just opens up a lot of doors for creating tons of things that can all still fit together because it's all different planets and the planets can be very different, but still having the overarching thing as soon as that you guys leave the, the, a planet, you're back in space. You're back in mm. what is this uh, treacherous, uh, it's like it's not, it's more hectic than, than Star Wars and Mass Effect, but not quite as hectic as Warhammer 40k. Like it's like that kind of middle ground is kind of what I created there. It is interesting um, to note as well, like I think the ones that we've talked about were always like built to be played in, if that makes sense. Like they were built to be campaigns with players in them as opposed to a separate project. Whereas um, I didn't mention it before, but the one that that we played in uh, that I wrote um, was originally not necessarily a campaign, was just something I did on the side for fun. And it just ended up being a campaign. It was like, oh, we should, we should try do this. And I was like, okay, I've got something like on the back burner. We can, and like the the process of converting it to a game system also has interesting effects on the writing. Um, but maybe that's to be <laughs> talked about later. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So then, with that in mind. Um... We both kind of just addressed, like, broadly speaking. Obviously, I think if you gave us uh, a platform, we could talk for hours and hours about the different intricacies about each of our worlds. But that's for other episodes in the future. Um, but I think with that, let's go into just the, the the overarching question here is, where do you start with world building? And I think those those listening would probably identify that each Whenever we discuss like a world, you, we try to kind of put it into like a sentence of the concept of it, the core, the core idea of what makes this world its own. It gives this world its own identity. You know, if it's uh, the world of like, like Tom, are you able to be like, cool? This is a, a world in which uh, dragons and different different like uh, magical creatures and things, or or in some way like these, these otherworldly powers, they are the origins or the heritage of the ancestries of these fantasy races. That is the core element of it. There's a lot more beyond mm-hmm. that. And then you look at like Scales Echo, it was, um, this, the concept is space and uh, this powers of order and chaos and how that can influence an entire galaxy. So I feel like going into creating a world, starting off with the chief concept, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that gives you a lot of room for, because, I mean, kind of in what I was saying about how, whether it's built for a campaign or just built for fun, there's still, like, it's a it's a tool in the box of someone trying to tell a story. And even if you're not sure what kind of story or what medium you're going to tell the stories with, whether you're going to 
you know, run it as a GM or you're going to write a book or whatever. Um, if you can define that central concept, um, you always have something to lean back on. If you start to lose direction, you always have something to look at for like, okay, how do we, how do we kind of decompose that idea and spread it out into like, you want to come up with a villain or a, an NPC or a town or something. How, how do you show that core concept in an interesting way? And you, you know, you always have something to go back to, which is, um, useful. Yeah. And I, and I, I think you're the nail on the head there with like, it's it, looking at for writing or for, for, uh, your own for D and D or whatever it is that you're making this world for is using like, if you look at books, so if you look at say like, let's use, I don't know, but like Lord of the Rings as a setting, um, as of right now, it's, that is the most like classic of like fantasies, you know, um, uh-huh. and the, the core, I would say, I don't know what you would put as like a core, uh, elevator pitch for what the Lord of the Rings world is, because I feel like everything now, like will use Lord of the Rings and it's yeah. rough off of it. It's um, so far beyond like, yeah, but I guess you could have, have kind of like cool fantasy world where, um, there are like, it's a, for, like forces of darkness have taken over the world as they have, 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 were taking over the world and um they had these powerful rings and uh, a powerful artifact that was a big uh, issue and then all the other nations came together to tackle out this one form of evil and now it's resurfaced um, well, i mean it also it also had like how a lot of it was kind of tolkien's reaction to uh fighting in the world wars and all of that and yeah. like dealing with like themes of hope but also like decay of like how it's always like oh you know the greatest sword was in the second age made by the elves and like they don't make them like that anymore and that's always like a main theme as well of like things almost slowing down but maybe getting better at the same time it's like uh, a lot of like themes of change in a way i guess um for better or for worse uh i think you can see influence a lot of things like in in the world because then you have to build you know, you have these reasons for why there are these, uh, what happened in these ancient great ages and how has that affected the world that's now. And that, in a sense, is quite a big focus, I think. that has been a while since I've <laughs> interacted with that franchise. But again, as you say, it's like everything, so many things have branched off inspired by that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think even now that you're saying it, I feel like um, the the theme or the idea of like, something happening in the past and the past affecting what's like the world and where it is now. Cause like you said, like the, the, the ancient swords and stuff, and they're going through like the minds of Moira and stuff. And they, that being, you don't see it. You see what used to be there. Yes. And now is it kind of, and like, and everything is uh, like, everything's kind of been okay, but now Sauron has risen kind of thing. And, and, but you feel the effects of the war from before you feel the effects because the dwarves and the elves don't get along. And, uh, why is that? It's not, it's, everything is about the past that's led to this point. Um, which is, yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's an interesting takeaway from the, the, the Lord of the Rings, like world building is everything is the world's not being built as you go. The world has been built by what's happened. Yeah. And a lot of it is how how do you move forward from there? Yeah. When, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's perhaps unintentionally, but like I, I definitely think I've applied a lot of that to my own world building um, in terms of like even starting on a completely unrelated theme. I think it was, I don't know exactly 
the exact uh, quotes of it, but I know it was a, a Matthew Colville video. He was talking about like why to have created like uh, an ancient civilization in your setting, uh, even if it's just to have a reason for there to be like dungeons to explore in a game that you're playing. And that resonated with me because I always really liked the idea of like having having there be a purpose, especially like a functional purpose to dungeons. Like you go to you go through a dungeon like a video game, and it's like there's this broken walkway with like ten thousand levers you have to pull and a key in like a different continent of the world to open like one door to get to like. I don't know, someone's house. And you're like, does this bro do this <laughs> every day on the way home from work? Toby, Toby like... comes home from a night out and he's like, oh, geez. <laughs> like, damn, I have to go to France to get the key to the sewers. <laughs> nah, I'm going to just keep drinking. Like, yeah. <laughs> So I, I, I know that's like something that influenced my world building was to always go back to like, okay, is this something that like the average person would interact with? And if not... Why not? Like, who was this for? And who put this here? And if there's something really obscure, then I try to think of it in terms of like, okay, this is this is a ruin, or this is no longer functional. So the reason you have to do whatever obscure video gamey thing is because actually it's not working as intended. You have to do this to get around infrastructure that doesn't work anymore. Um, and that's also a fun starting point to look back on is like, uh, what is the civilization that built this um, place you're interacting with? And like, what kind of technology did they have? What kind of magic did they have? How how would they have done this? And you have that to like come up with cool mechanics. And in a way, I mean, that that's more to like, I guess, a, a game and encounter design side of things. But it's still, I like to put them hand in hand, like the the storytelling and world building go hand in hand with the mechanics and give one for sure. ideas for the other. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that. I think that's kind of why I was talking about like the, this, the main discussion being like identifying a core, identifying like a theme. Mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, those two things are what should be felt throughout the world. Um, so I don't know that we can randomly go through an example here, but I guess like, um, I don't know, uh, let's say your world is, um, you, you, your core concept is you want to have a world that was ruled by one tyrant and then uh, suddenly angels came down and uh, killed the tyrant and now the, your entire world is run by angels. That's your core concept. Like you want, you want uh, you, a celestial governance system like that's cool that's what the world is and then you're like okay cool but now how can that be felt because you can't just now make everything i don't know like angel themed in your dungeons like okay cool that's gonna get a bit boring that's not broad enough but then what themes can you pull out of that you can pull out of themes of like it's like once you like like uh, an oppressive governance system like you could have that there's areas of the world that are opposing to the to the celestials you could have areas of the world that love that the celestials are there and that can uh, can expose the players to the themes of uh, dealing with that oppression from like a government system, from a like a patriot, um, so what, like a uh, royal system or whatever. Yeah, um, I think I see and, that as well as like because um, then you have to look at what what are angels in this world or celestials or whatever, and it's like 
for me, that then begs the question is like, do they have an opposite? Are there devils and demons as well? Um, mm. Are they maybe the the kind of the normal people faction, uh, you know, was maybe the one tyrant king before uh, related to that? Or did the, the other thing only come about when the angels descended and started trying to run things? Um, are they active rulers? Do they just sit above, you know, is it the kind of thing where you have the the question put forward of like, are they actually there? Or is this, you know, is it like mages or something that like create this illusion of what they are? Yeah. And like, there's a lot of um, stories you can tell with that. And then as well, like in creating areas of the world, um, like we were saying before, you, you've got that idea of what came before. And so if you've got a, a one tyrant king, uh, you know, is, is this still celebrated, but just as something that's in the past? And it's like, oh, look at what we had before. Things are so much better now. Or is it like this history that like people are ashamed of? And it's like, no, we, we don't talk about that. We hide it. We bury it. And like, so you stumble into this like ancient tomb. We're like, again, talking about for say a D&D game where the players are then like having to maybe make pretty difficult checks to find out like what even was the, the world before this current uh regime uh yeah yeah and, I, that, and then all that all those brainstorming ideas come off of one core concept uh-huh. like and that's that's really i that, that's how i would start world building and i don't know and from the sounds of things it's a similar similar uh thought process for you tomo um yeah. and i think then going off of that is cool you've got your core concept now what? And I feel like there's two approaches to the actual building itself. And that is like build as you go or like just build everything right now. And I feel like at the end of the day, you're always going to have some element of build as you go, especially if you are doing it for like D&D or for a TTRPG. Yeah. Of course, if you're doing it for like a book you're writing, you could still have that case, you know, get to book three and you're like, oh, damn, um, I actually want to have this thing happen to the protagonist. I'm the writer. I can just decide that that's uh-huh. what I'm doing, um, which is fine. I mean, I think I think that also like yes, like when you're playing a TTRPG, but also when you are um, writing a book or doing whatever, uh, you you need some kind of pressure to give you direction. I think because you you can build and build to the finest grain of sand on like one town or even one shop in one town. Uh, but at a certain point, there needs to be a little bit more than that um, yeah. for you to have somewhere to go. And that's um, that's where I think the build as you go is quite useful if you can find a reason to do that. Yeah. And I think, so, so I mean, is that like in, in any case, the, unless you're world building as a as just a fun activity, which I mean, yeah. oh, do, do, you do you. Like if you want to just write world, create worlds just for fun and that's just what you do for as a hobby, then that's dope. But if you want to use, uh, use it for something, you're going to have some element of build as you go. And I feel like um, there's nothing wrong with build as you go. I feel a lot of people, why they end up sticking to um, modules and, and settings that are already established is they feel like the stuff is there. Yeah, you can just play the game then. Exactly. The stuff yeah. is there. If something comes up, oh, I can just go and check it out kind of thing. Or that stuff, like what happened to this third queen in the line or whatever, that, that that's already there. Cool. It's but also the, a really good jumping off point. Exactly. But I'm going to tell you something. Half the stuff you care about as a world builder, the players don't care. 
the players don't care. And they don't, and it's, and it's not that they don't care. <laughs> it's, not that they don't, it's not that they don't care. It's that it's that they don't care now. That's the thing. They don't yeah. care right now. Um, when we made when I made New Gallus, I had a like a one like three paragraph thing about cool. This is what happened. The humans arrived, and these are the playable options. And this is what magic looks like. Uh, this is what the the, the theolog- theological system looks like, and this is what society looks like when you guys join. And that's it. Then everyone created their characters based on what looked interesting, and then people gave me backstories, and the backstories are what I used to further envelop further develop uh-huh. the world because then it was like okay cool this is what the players are excited about this is what the players care about right now if you're creating a world with your sorry man if you're creating a world with the the angels for instance and you're like cool as a world builder you're really excited about this one country this one country where the there's this big um mage, mage tower and the one chief mage is the one that interacts with the celestials and and how this world impacts on this world and, and you want them to be dealing with it but then your players are like cool i want to play uh rimple dimple uh the fighter that protects his village and you're like okay okay sick and then now you've thrown away all this other stuff of course if you made the world bully for fun then that's on you but now you're as a DM, or if you're going to be DMing, you're doing this for your players. You're not. This isn't an audio book. This isn't a. This isn't a narration that you, your players yeah. are sitting and listening to. They Take want it to run with it. Exactly. If they want to play Rumple Dimple, the, the 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 fighter that protects his village, make now develop the how what what do villages look like. Develop like uh, maybe like he was like oh my, my father was a blacksmith. Cool. How does smithing work? Like uh-huh. maybe maybe it's like there's a weird like. Like fiendish uh, ore that needs to be harvested from like beneath the mountains or whatever, and that's like a whole extra now portion of the world that you've created that sounds interesting and the players are interested in because it links to their backstory. And yeah. you've world built. Sorry, some of you were going to say something. No, I'm I'm in agreement here. I mean, it's also like the thing of um, taking that idea of like of you know uh, rimple dimple or whatever. You might never have thought about the broader part of the world and that gives you an excuse to and i mean in a way kind of like what i was saying as well before of like having a reason to go to different parts of your setting and flesh it out um but what i was going to say before was also i remember with um the new gallus setting was yeah part of your original pitch to us all as players was like i want to do something to make like humans in a fantasy world more interesting as a culture and then you did all of that and then you made all the animal races and then everyone picked the animal races (laughs) (laughs) and it's like well i i guess that's what we're doing now and i mean i remember you saying as well like um the the noctem peaks where like the noctem race came from wasn't like even on the radar rarely it was just kind of there but then I was the asshole who was like, yeah, I'm going to be that one. And you're like, damn it. Now I have to think of what these guys are like. And like, But like, that was a lot of fun. Like as well, like as a player in that kind of sense, you don't have to, you get to engage with it more as well. And like you almost, it becomes like kind of collaborative. Um, like from the other side of the coin with our um, current game, um, some of the major factions in the game only exist because they were in a backstory that someone gave me the day that we started the campaign. 
Um, <laughs> and that's that's just how it be sometimes. Like <laughs> just Ryan I, things. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You said rumple dimple. I was thinking of Murray, and it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like. But I mean, that's not. It's a bit of a like. Oh God, okay, I got to deal with this now. Like in the moment. But it can absolutely lead to it, it can be such a brilliant prompt to like come up with some of the coolest stuff because it can totally still be related to all the like cool stuff that you've put a ton of work into and have a lot of detail on. That just preps you for like the themes of what you're working with and you already have experience writing stuff for this world now. Now you do it again, but you have more uh, more to go off of this time. And as well, especially if you're playing with a group you've been playing with for a while, you kind of know a bit better what the group is like, what the individual players are like, and what they might react to. So you then even further still can kind of like tailor it to a being played experience, um, which also in a way is like how, you know, a TTRPG is different than like writing a book or whatever. Um because it's it is much more reactive, and you can have things that are much more tailored to like individual tastes. Not that that's always how it goes, but it's something that happens sometimes. Yeah, and and yeah, especially linking to like TTRPGs is that what I find as a really fun like world building like prompt is, and it's something that sometimes the players will bring up themselves, but it's the concept of classes and subclasses. Yeah. And using that for world building is so fun. I actually talked about it in my discussion about the Blood Hunter, is that I lo- what I love about Blood Hunter is that the, the subclasses are built into any world. It is your order. It is other people that you have, that you've come together, you're an exile, like an outcast kind of like a class, but you've come together potentially, you don't obviously don't have to, but the the class allows for you to create this concept of your order. And that could be something that you as a player, you as a DM go, oh, okay, cool. Tom wants to play a blood hunter and order of the lichen or something. And you're like, cool. I didn't really consider werewolves in this world. Yeah. But that's what I'm going to play. And D&D is a, and TTRPGs are collaborative. It's it's a game we're playing together. So don't say no. Obviously, like, if you're very oh, hard and fast. Reason. But like, yeah, exactly. If you're very hard and fast on like, no, it's supposed to be X, Y, and Z, then then cool. But talk to your players first, obviously. But if you've been pretty open about choices for classes and subclasses, take that and run with it. Maybe you didn't think about... Um, uh druid circles or maybe you didn't think about yeah. how like um fungi and like spores and stuff fitted into the world but you've said <laughs> your players they can play a druid and then they go circle the spores druid and you're like interesting that's something that i didn't think about how that fits here yeah. but that's a fun challenge to then further expand upon the world maybe you don't have other druids that also circles or the spores circle the spores but you have druids or you have a world that interacts with your player because if a play if the world is just a backdrop and the players are just like players quote unquote in the world and they're not getting to interact with it and change it and impact upon it and feel it impact upon them that's not fun yeah i think it's also a thing of like um i know some people really like to have things of like justifying in game like why a class has a certain name or like how if you're doing 5e, why it has like spell levels and slots and stuff like that. Mm. And some people don't pr- prefer to like speak about that more in abstract. So like you do the things you do 
in the game, but you describe it more loosely in terms of gameplay. And yeah. when it comes to like who's DMing or who's writing, um, that'll also give a lot of different kind of flavor to the writing. Like um, I know I had a lot of things of like trying to think of like how certain classes would, would make sense and like even writing custom classes just to solidify a concept that I wanted to have in the world. And like, I mean, with uh, with your stuff, like how the concept of what was it, like the Drake blades and stuff like that mm -hmm. uh, became such a big part of it, even though we didn't have a player playing as that class. Um, Check out the Drake blade, I'm trying to throw RPG. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean that that that's part of the fun of it is like how absolutely custom classes and races are very much part of world building as well and like magic and stuff like that. I mean, especially if it is a TTRPG, then a lot of it is in how the players interact with it. And a big part of that is the player characters and what options they have and what options they don't have as well. Because I mean, for me, I when I write something, I like to actually limit um the options and then not be so hard and fast about like if a player is like you know i really want to play an asimar i'll be like you know what okay i'll figure this out <laughs> um, but it's like that way if, if you limit it and squash it down and then maybe throw in one or two unconventional options as like something that's common in this world like a playable race or class or something and like you know put that forward to the players like hey in this setting like goblins are like a playable race because they have a society or whatever um or what like how like how eberron has the the warforged and just like that one little detail actually changes so much about the setting yeah. um which is really cool um and that's that's a big thing to consider as well i think um which not always, but oftentimes comes about purely because you're reacting to the people you're playing with and then being like, what about this thing? Like, I kind of want to do this. And it doesn't really fit with anything that's in the rules as they're written. No reason you can't just make something up that'll work. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Or, flavor, or like reflavor it to a way that does fit in with the world so that your players yeah. still feel like, like I don't know, say once someone really wants to play an artificer and you're like, okay, cool. But technology is not really a thing here. So can you maybe make it that it's like alchemy? Like maybe make yeah. it that you just like do potions and stuff and that's what you're using for your uh, infusions and things. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that could work. Um, well, I mean, that's also fun is to go the opposite route where it's like, I want to play a wizard and you're like, but this is, this is sci-fi. Can, can your fireball be just like a grenade or something? Yeah, and exactly. That kind of stuff is equally fun. 100%. So the crux of the matter is that like, as much as we say, like work with your players and stuff, players work with your DM. Like <laughs> yeah. They, they've, yeah. They've, they've sweated over a 90 page document. Um, please don't just decide you want to do something that's completely different. Work with, work within the bar, within the, the, the setting, but don't feel that the, the don't as a DM, don't like strict stick so strictly to it that it doesn't make it fun for anyone else. Yeah, Josh, can I be a Noctem in Scales issue? Uh, <laughs> the Noctem peaks. Um, <laughs> uh, before, we, before we close off, just a last little discussion on like, just uh, we both have been DMs and, and um, world builders for quite some time now. Is there any particular resources that you make use of to make that job a little bit easier? Yeah, for me, um, Evernote is my main go-to as a player and as a DM. 
Uh, it doesn't have to be Evernote. That's just the one that I use. Um, but I mean, when I when I started going this direction of uh, how I organize my notes, um, basically just having you know like uh, I'll have a note of like this is a town and this is maybe like ideas for quests that could happen here or, or factions or whatever, and then maybe I'll have a document of like political figures in a place or whatever, and put each one on a separate note, and then that got annoying to have that like I had it on my laptop using literally just. Uh, notepad, so no formatting or anything, and I'd put it on Google Drive just so that I'd have access to it. And eventually, this is, I was like, "This is just annoying." So I switched to Evernote. Um, don't have the paid version or anything; just the regular free one. And I just have a a notebook per campaign setting, and I'll just make a note. I'll say, "Like, cool. Here's stuff that's important. Here's a plan for things I want to happen in the session, and I'll keep track of." Um stuff relating to the actual campaign. And then I'll also have notes relating to areas. So I'll have like a city or a, um, a faction or a bunch of NPCs or whatever, and I'll, I'll have quick reference there. Um, something that also helped me a lot with uh, actually building and fleshing out a more large scale setting was uh, World Anvil, um, which in a way is kind of like just a bunch of templates and prompts for sort of making yeah. a wiki for your own world. But those prompts help a lot. They help you come up with things and like write things in a way maybe you didn't think of. Um, a lot of cool features on there. Even Again, even just the free version. Um, and stuff like, ah, what's that one? You used it as well. The one for maps. Uh, in uh, incarnate. In incarnate. Incarnate, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also, hey, a great starting point sometimes is also a map. Um, if you just yeah. make a, a vague shape of a continent and then start filling in you're like okay where would it kind of make sense to have a mountain and how would it flow and like you go from there and figure out what civilizations there are and then you get to a point and just erase it you're like cool why is there something why is this erased oh maybe there was a magical calamity here or you know there, yeah. there's a lot of when you have a visual representation you have a lot to work with and incarnate again even just the free one is um is a great way place to just start and just dig your fingers in and see what you can come up with for sure i think yeah for me notes taking wise <laughs> i'm just a, a pleb that uses google docs um i haven't I have been one... taking notes in session for for so long uh <laughs> <laughs> so like for me it's like like my world stuff i'll have like one big google doc and i kind of when i do when i write stuff i kind of write it as if it's a setting book it tends to be what yeah. i normally do is uh, write as if it's a setting book and then Obviously, I don't have to tackle it like this is the intro. This is the spot that I write what I come up with when I come up with it. Um, but and that's only in only in the form of like a Word document or Google Docs. And then for like campaign episodes of campaign, um, like if it's if I'm doing it for for D and D, my note taking will be uh, I have one big Google Doc, Google Drive for all of the stuff, and then I'll have I call it Chapter One, which is generally Level One, and I'll write like what I have prepared for that session and stuff. And if it's mm -hmm. like if I need stat blocks and things like that, then I'll have those in a separate space, or I'll write on the thing like check Monster Manual, whatever, whatever for the stat block, and then often use Roll Twenty. Um, That's then, a big. If I can jump in there, using hmm. pre-existing stat blocks and stuff, like especially if you already own like the D and D monster manual or even yep. one from another system, um, you don't have to make it be exactly what it is in the like the For description sure. of it. But those stats are balanced, well balanced <laughs> for a particular level. 
um, is a great guideline. Even if you have to adjust it a bit on the fly, it can save you so much time. And that's definitely a resource worth looking at as well. 100%. Um, and then I, yeah, so then I'll do that. And then each chapter, quote unquote, is generally a couple of sessions. So I'll have like the chapter mapped out. Um, and then, but a main thing that I like using recently for the past, like uh, I would say about a year or so, has been making use of AI for like creative um the inspiration uh, i have the paid uh, subscription to mid journey but there's a free version where you get x amount of of uses um and just if you have like a concept in your head of what something looks like what a world could look like or what a setting could be whatever putting a couple of those prompts in and getting a cool image as like a starting point is great and then um chat gpt on top of that if you similarly have like ideas for cool like especially with the for the more minute the, the, the minutia if you want to do like the the bulk world building have everything done and for instance uh use this example in scales echo the humans now because they uh have earth two a uh, big thing is they've got like an order of um the te- like the, the the rods like these golden rods that were these terraformers that turned mars into earth too and these rods still exist and this technology still exists but it is protected um by like an order like a, of a monks and that's kind of how i had that vague concept but i was like i don't know if my players are gonna delve into that at all but i want it to be a little fleshed out so i just put mm-hmm. this couple of those points into chat gpt it gave me like a nice paragraph and stuff i was like okay cool that's a great starting point like if if anyone feels more into that like they want to delve that into that more it's enough that my players can work off of but not so much that like ChatGPT's created that world for me, you know? Yeah, you always got to have your own. It's got to be yours still. It's got to, sure. like, I know I've used, I've used that for, like, descriptions um, for when we get to, like, a new area um, and you want to have, like, a cool description of something. Uh, it can give you almost, like, a template. Um, but then, yeah. I don't know, I would always go in and adjust it, um, if not scrap it entirely, but just have an idea of the structure. I mean, yeah. what you were saying before about writing it almost like a setting book, um, I've moved a bit away from that, but I definitely used to, I would go like paragraph for paragraph. I would look at like any modules that I owned and be like, right, so they had this many lines for an introduction <laughs> and then like they'd have this, then by this point they have the first stat block, even if it's not an encounter, but it's just like infinite. And I was like, that's how you have to do it, right? But then I think as I got a bit more experienced, I moved away from that a lot more and was just like, um, I've moved a lot more to like bullet points. Um, yeah. But again, that that comes down to DM style, and for me, my my stuff is a lot more theater of the mind, a lot more improv, and um, I I do I put there what I need to be able to come up with something good in the moment. Um, for sure. Yeah. And I think I think that like the so the just for context for listeners is that like the setting book approach to things uh, is only just for scales echo. I wrote that. I mean, I was off for a month with with a broken foot. I was like, I'm literally not doing anything else but sitting and healing. So let me write stuff. Um, <laughs> but like for instance, like the like uh, New Gallus, there was like I think well, I, I had a one project, book, wasn't it? Um, was it was it just before? Like I think it got more fleshed out during COVID. I think we yeah. just started last before. COVID. No, yeah, that's right. It happened when we we had like two sessions, mm. and then it was COVID. Exactly. And then everyone and then moved overseas. Moved <laughs> yeah. And then I yeah, so like for New Gallus, I was like, cool. I remember I had one word document that was like, this is where I'm gonna like uh, go into like the collection of everything. And then also that's when I did bullet points. I was like, these are the different world, the different cities, Great Salem. And I was like, themes of da 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 da. Uh, it is big. It has this and this and this. And when we go there, I would flesh it out more if need be. But then. Yeah. What's nice about 
playing in a world that you've created yourself is that outside of like needing to have some law on hand is that like okay for, for instance i'm using a lot of examples here but in, in new galas as well there was a there was a uh, a group of like monsters and stuff uh there was a group of like uh, vampires and werewolves and things there was a group of like the arch fae and there was a uh, of the fae and, the, and then there was a group of like monstrosities and they in the history they all came together and fought try to take over the whole place and then the hexlingers this order of wizards stopped them um and then over the course of the campaign that was like a side quest a side like bit of history that eventually became like a, the big 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 bad and that law and that history was literally a sentence in my google doc for like a year and a half and then i was like damn they're really getting more into this like it needs to be a bit more so then i was like okay what order did this happen because that's the type of thing that people might want to ask or and then even then a lot of this the 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 lore of that first fleshed out as you as players asked more about it so you really don't need to be writing things in full paragraphs and stuff you don't need to if you want to go for it do your thing but even the big plot points you don't if you have if you've written this world you've written the world if you've written mm-hmm. one sentence, but you have in your head about how this vampire lord is and where he came from and all this kind of stuff, even if you forget it at the time, make it up and then make a little note in the game and then poop, that's the lore now. You know, you're the DM. You do your it thing. also helps as you're going, you start to understand it better. You get a better feel for, for sure. it. Because it's, it's one thing to put words on a page and that's, it's a version of the world. But the version that is then lived in by people you're playing with and reacting to decisions players are making, the tone starts to change depending on the group you're playing with. And sometimes your ideas for how you wanted to handle something will change, even if it's something that the players never got to and had no influence over. uh, As you play more in the world, you might start to decide that actually you like a certain tone or a certain idea better or you might decide that someone who was going to be a villain is actually just going to be like a friendly useful npc and and vice versa like you never know how things would go but a small change like that could affect a lot of things depending on like how you branch things out from there yeah 100 percent with that, Tomo, is there any closing remarks, any closing points you want to just touch on? I think this is definitely a topic that we could talk about for hours and hours. Oh, and yeah. we will. We will talk about for hours <laughs> and hours. There will be more episodes for sure. Is there anything closing remarks that you wanted to just touch on before we bounce? I think um, just don't be afraid to throw things on the page is like a is a big thing. Is a write stuff and see what works and see what doesn't. And as you go, you'll get better at it and you'll get more comfortable with it as you go. And that even the stuff you don't uh, think is so good at first, you can still have fun playing with it. So uh, don't be worried about like getting getting stuck behind like, oh, this isn't good. I'm just going to scrap it. Like just, just have fun. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is a fun hobby, man. Just do your thing. And I feel like the main thing I want to leave off with is that just like you said, just do it. <laughs> like don't don't be uh held back by oh but i must have this done i must have this done i must have this done and then you have analysis paralysis and then you don't do any of it put down your concept talk to your friends that you want to play and if this is for dnd talk to your friends that you want to play the game with and you're like cool i have a concept for the world it's this would you be keen and then yeah. like cool i want it. like i feel like i'm going off tangent again but like tom when you were talking i was like cool I have a concept for a character and you're like, cool, I have a concept for a world, like the whole like vampire yeah. revive. And then fully like from that, like lots of brainstorming and stuff goes off. 
and that's all you need you don't need one to know idea the, can the, do the, so the much history of the different dynasties you don't need to know all the different deities that have been will be and have yet to be kind of thing <laughs> just put one little concept down let your players run with it and then you run with it and just have fun that's the core uh-huh. but with that that'll end of our episode of RPGs podcast and uh, Tom thank you for joining me and we'll check you all on the next episode <laughs>